Clover gives you the power to run a smarter, faster restaurant. See everything in real time with the kitchen display system. Streamline takeout and delivery with online ordering. With the right tech, quick service is getting even quicker. Clover, accept payments, run your business, and sell more. For a limited time only, visit Clover.com to get a $450 statement credit on qualified hardware purchases. That's www.clover.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because. Hey, honey, you know your dad's world famous chili. Yeah, the one that takes 24 hours to make. So I was trying to help out and bring the pot to the table, but it was like super hot. And then I um dropped it. And now the floor looks all, you know, stained with chili. Look, the point is, you guys cool with pizza for dinner? <laughs> Honey? Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. I'm what you might call very good at hide and seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house. Even in my super secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite. Ha! Found you. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall to wall Wi Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply, not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is June 7th. Oh, no. yes. We are going to talk about baseball. I'm wearing my baseball shirt right now. That is baseball is for all. Just came in the mail and I love it. Uh, if you don't know, we're putting out this shirt in an effort to raise money for the human rights campaign. 100% of the proceeds of this shirt are going to the good cause Consider getting one. It's an awesome shirt. It just kind of shows that everybody is welcome here in baseball. It's very comfortable. It's good stuff. So go to the site, uh, shop.pitcherless.com. You can just kind of click on the merch in the nav menu to go check yours out. Remember, we do not make a single dime on these. It's all going to a good cause. Zach Eflin went 6.2 innings, zero earned runs, three hits, one walk, and nine strikeouts into victory against Minnesota. I just wanted a moment to talk about how good he's been this year. The sinker is jamming batters inside, so 35% O swing is wonderful. Big called strike rate at 25% as well. The cutter has a 71% strike rate, and the curve is doing good things with a 90th percentile O swing at a 41% clip. That is Eflin. It is the best version of Eflin. We saw this a couple weeks ago. He had a little bit of a dip against the Jays, but otherwise, he's been pretty much amazing as the Rays fixed him as many people expected him to. Did I? Nope. But that's not here or there. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really think that Eflin was going to be able to get the curve this good, and this cutter just kind of came out of nowhere. 
but it's wonderful. And if you have Zach Eflin, just keep on holding him for the, I don't know, indefinite future. Simon Walker did well against the Tigers. Didn't expect this. Seven innings, zero runs, two hits, three walks, and eight Ks. Why? Because he went 10 for 42 whiffs at 46% usage of his splitter. Look, Tywin Walker is trying to go all splitters, essentially, because everything else is just not working. Sinkers and four-seamers and this bad slider and stuff. And when the splitter just shows up and does 46% usage and has success, then all right, tip your cap to Tywin Walker. You can't really bank on that on any given night. Lucas Giolito was his best self against the Yankees. Actually, not even his best, but this was much better as it was a 94.2 mile per hour fastball. Not 92, not 93, 94 in change with a very, very good slider. And the changeup was down, not his elite changeup. That's the only thing that he needs to improve on here. But man, with that 94 fastball and a really good slider, that's fantastic. Like we've been in purgatory, as I've said, with Giolito, and we held on because of this kind of stuff. But we just don't know if it's going to continue. By the way, yes, no hit for six innings. 100 pitches, so he was pulled. Understandable. That is the game of baseball these days. Sean Manaya was the bulk pitcher for the Giants in cores. 4.2 innings, 300 runs, 5 hits, 1 walk, 5 Ks. This could be worse. He is throwing that much, much loopier slider these days. And just 79 instead of like 84. Uh, yeah, this might be interesting. Keep uh, keep an eye on Sean Manaya. Maybe he actually does have success with this new approach. That's all I'm going to say there. Jesus Lizardo against the Royals did everything we've been waiting him to do, waiting for him to do. Seven innings, one and run, two hits, zero walks, eight Ks, 15 whiffs, and a 36% CSW. Yeah, this is the guy. Uh, slider returned a 52% CSW. And, yeah, he even had some bad misses in the dirt with it, and he still had that mark. Changeup was good. The four-seamer was good. He has a fantastic schedule ahead. Thank you, Jesus Lazardo, for being the man that I knew you should be. And Alex Fast, yes, yeah, I see you. I see you, Alex Fast, yeah. Send me the DM once you hear this podcast. Kevin Gosman against the Astros with the win. Uh, seven innings, one run, four hits, zero walks, 13 Ks. Ace is going to ace. Honestly, I should probably have had him above Otani on the list yesterday. He is just killing it. Logan Gilbert against the Padres got the win. Seven innings, one earned run, three hits, two walks, six Ks. It wasn't the splitter, actually, in this one. This was the slider getting 41% CSW across 34 thrown. That reliance on the slider really turned him into more of a four-seamer slider guy in this game. Worked really, really well. So, props to Gilbert here. I don't know if that slider is... That good? I mean, he just threw a lot of strikes with it, essentially. Uh, it wasn't down. It wasn't this big whiff pitch. I think I think he still needs with the, the splitter, which had two whiffs. Uh, but if he just does this, this is good enough for me. Because you can be a two-pitch pitcher if you have an elite fastball and a good enough slider. That's fine with me. right? It's new, normally the other way around where it's an elite slider and not a good enough fastball. Logan Gilbert can make it work with that. And hey, maybe the splitter then shows up. And that's really good too. James Caprillion did well against the Pirates. Six innings, one earned run, four hits, five walks, one strikeout. Yeah, that whip is terrible with five walks. But you got one earned run. You got one one uh, win and one strikeout. How am I going to butter my bread with this? Very strange with Caprillion against the Pirates. I'm not really going to chase this. I think the walks have always haunted Caprillion. And I don't really want to go for it. Shane Bieber against the Red Sox. Two strikeouts. 
I think he lowered his 17% strikeout rate here in 5.2 innings. One and run, though. Five hits, one walk. This is why he's still on your roster. It's wild. He Look, there is an opportunity at some point that Bieber figures out how to get the slider and curve back. I'm not going to say it's completely donezo. But, man, he really just looks like a Toby. Not even a Holly. Like a Toby. Because it's like a 16 and change percent strikeout right now. But the ratios are all right. You got to keep holding on. Joe Musgrove did good things against the Mariners. Five innings, one run, four hits, one walk, and eight Ks. The curve, slider, and change were all low, while the four-seamer and cutter were up. This was good. I, I like this from Musgrove. Much higher CSW on the slider, finally. He's just going to get better as we continue on. T-Lex, that is Tyler Alexander, was the bulk guy, I guess, for the Tigers as he opened for three innings. Who cares? We have some fun ones. James Paxton, Freddie Peralta, uh, Hunter Brown, Clark Schmidt, Hayden Wisniewski, a lot of others to talk about. We're going to talk about all of those after this break. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. And that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. James Paxton. Go watch the YouTube breakdown I'm going to do of him. I'm doing it right after this podcast, but oh boy. I know a lot of what we're going to see there. 25 whiffs against the Guardians. This is a Guardians team that's very scrappy, right? They don't strike out. No, no, no. James Paxton wins seven innings, 200 runs, three hits, two walks, nine strikeouts. And guess what he did? It wasn't just the fastball. I mean, sure, 15 whiffs and 72 throwing great. But the cutter had a 33% swing strike rate, seven over 21. 43% CSW. Look, Paxton was having success in three out of four starts. With just the fastball. I mean, sure, there were some cutters and curveballs and changeups, but they weren't exceptional. Now he still has the fastball and has gained the cutter. I've talked about this where oftentimes a guy is doing one thing good in the repertoire and then bad in the others. And I've actually made the point that most of the time where I say, hey, he could keep the good thing and then just get better at the weaknesses. But more times than not, the weaknesses stick around and the good thing gets worse. It is so nice to see James Paxson hold on to the good thing and improve the weakness. That's what he did against the Guardians. Now it is the Guardians. So I can't read into it too much, but 25 whiffs from James Paxson. This is four out of five starts that he has dominated now. He had that that valley start in the middle. I, I say this often, where even guys coming back from the IL, they perform at a certain level and then they have their dip. And when pitchers come out of that dip... When they actually perform well again, it is a more sustainable line of success. It is a a better stretch because they have dealt with the adversity and they are better for it. 
It's why I'm still in on Bryce Miller, and I think that James Paxton is a better pitcher for having that valley in his third start. So I'm excited about this with James Paxton. I have him in the, I think the 40s now. I think I want to raise him up into the 30s. I'm a believer. The biggest question is the health. Is James Paxton going to be able to throw a full season? And I throw at you, stop thinking about it. Stop it. Just add him on your team. And if the health isn't there, then you move on. There'll be something else to go and get by when that happens. You're, I'm not saying that you should be dropping your third starter for James Paxton. I'm saying in any league where he's available, go and get him. If someone wants to sell high right now, they feel like they need to get out on James Paxton, I'm buying. Just don't give up an SP3. Okay? Cool. Freddie Peralta against the Orioles. Five innings, two and runs, six hits, zero walks, and nine strikeouts. 39% CSW for that King Cole. The only blemish? A two-run shot against Aaron Hicks? All right, whatever. Four-seamer was up to 44% CSW, 15 whiffs on the pitch. As the breakers return 58% strikes, that's fine with me. It doesn't need to be like 65% breaking ball strikes. Just don't go sub-50% on them. And seeing the fastball return, this is actually what we talked about last time. Same thing about Paxton, was Freddy Peralta was actually throwing strikes with his breaking balls, but the fastball wasn't performing. And that just seemed weird. So... I was betting on the fastball getting better while the, the breaking balls, if they just stay in path, then they're, that's good. And that's exactly what happened here. So good stuff here from Freddie Peralta. I feel very good about this. He had all the signs of regression in his favor. And this is still a 1-2 whip. That is a 120 with six hits and five innings. Fine. That should get better. Paper nine is too high, like the rent in New York City uh, for Freddie Peralta should improve. Kyle Gibson has been so weird where he would do well against tough teams and do poorly against bad teams. But guess what? We got one. Kyle Gibson against the Brewers. Five innings, two earned runs, five hits, two walks. Well, that's a bad whip. Seven Ks. Yay. No win. So I guess the seven Ks in the ERA is worth that 1.4 whip and no win. Sure. Hayden Wesneski against the Angels. 4.2 innings, two earned runs, two hits, one walk, four Ks, three whiffs, 19% CSW. I need to see more. I mean, that's that's really the thing, is I'm not going to be in on Wesneski until we see him actually dominate with the sweeper. I need to see, like, that double-digit game. The other stuff where Wesneski is not that good, right? It's fine. It's it's not the level of, like, Wasker and Nova of, like, seriously detrimental with the fastball and the and the cutter and the sinker, four-seamer and, and sinker. But I need to see that breaking ball being the elite pitch that we saw when he came up last year. We haven't seen it this year. Um, it's really a sweeper, I guess. Uh, Clark Schmidt against the White Sox. Six innings, three earned runs, six hits, zero walks, one strikeout. How am I going to butter my bread with this? To see six innings is actually kind of cool from Clark Schmidt with a one whip. I'll give him that. And this was against the White Sox, who aren't good against breaking balls. And I was against it. But if you're in a a win league and not a quality start league, yeah, this was not a game to start. You don't want a 4-5 ERA and one strikeout without a win. The one whip is not worth it. So... I'm not really chasing Clark Schmidt. I think there just isn't enough there. There really isn't that big put-away pitch. The sweeper gets called strikes. It doesn't get whiffs. The cutter kind of does, but he doesn't command it too well. A lot of the hits were just, I think, three cutters straight down the middle, essentially, were half of his hits. And I just don't want to go after Clark Schmidt. And maybe he does improve on it, but I feel like there are too many weaknesses here. Uh, to really pursue. Hunter Brown against the Jays. 
got the loss, but it was a poor quality start with a one whip and five Ks, right? So this was better than Clark Schmidt against the Jays. <laughs> uh, at least he got those five Ks, but still not great. I, I like what he's doing a lot. The four seamer has a high called strike rate, 28% here. Really, I feel like it's Zach Gallen. Um, the slider was in the zone and not like dominant in the zone. It was a lot of just kind of middle and up and not really uh, precise in this one. I think he kind of got away with the with the low whip in this one, Hunter Brown did. But I do believe overall that against better uh, matchups, Hunter Brown does perform um, pretty well moving forward. I'm a fan of what he brings to the table. It is a really good four-seamer called strike rate. Uh, Tony Gonsolin, regression hit in that first inning, 300 runs. Uh, but then after that, he settled down. So five innings, 300 runs, five hits, three walks, and five Ks for Gonsolin. We expected regression from him. It's kind of coming. Um, he threw some wasted pitches. But honestly, like overall, I kind of dug Gonsolin's locations in the sliders and, and curveballs and changeups, or actually rather uh, splitters, were down and away, um, or I should say down and glove side. Fastballs were up in, in good spots. Like this was kind of good. It just didn't go his way. So, like, that's how regression works, right? Um, okay. Denilson Lamette against the Giants. He's not the pitcher he used to be, and course is undefeated. Bryce Elder, six innings, four runs, yes. But you got the win. You got a one whip, and you got eight strikeouts. He is the Vargas rule of this year. I mean, other guys have removed the label, and we actually kind of think are somewhat real. We'll talk about one of them, Mitch Keller, later. Merrill Kelly is just like, yeah, okay. But Bryce Elder, the fastballs are such a detriment. But the slider had 49% CSW. And if the sinker and four-seamer can allow just two hits on the night like they did here, then there you go. And guess what? Those four-end runs all came off of home runs um, of Francisco Lindor and Pialazzo. It was a slider. Down. Two of them. Bam. So, yeah. I mean, you just keep going with Bryce Elder. Whatever. Who cares what we say? Just do it. Dane Dunning against the Cardinals got the win because it's the Cardinals, but just one strike. How am I going to butter my bread with that? Nine um, nine base runners and in 5.2 innings, forward runs. Like, you just don't want to do it. I think we can agree that this Vargas rule is over if you were doing that. Tyler Anderson has a 13.8% strikeout rate entering this game, and he had five Ks and forward runs and in five innings against the Cubs. You got to win, but really don't do this. Carlos Carrasco was actually kind of good against Atlanta. Five innings, four earned runs, six hits, two walks, four Ks. The line is not. Like, you don't want that. But the changeup was there, 25% swing strike rate. Fastball sat at 93, which is actually kind of back to normal. It was 93 and change in 2022. And this year we've seen a lot of 91, 92. But to see a 93, hey, that's cool. Um, the command of the change in slider being down was really nice. It's the Yankees and Astros next. I don't think I want to risk it for those two starts, but I am open to the idea that Carlos Carrasco does become someone we'll actually want to add in the near future if these skills are consistent in the next two games. Jay Gervin, never. <laughs> Matthew Libertor against Texas. I mean, it's Texas. He's a frozen banana. We don't do this. Zach Greinke does whatever he wants to do, and it was against the Marlins. The Marlins have actually been kind of a hot offense, so all right. Luke Weaver got destroyed by the Dodgers, and we really don't want to go after this. Tommy Henry... The defense is really nice for Arizona. 
But yeah, he threw five over 16 changeup strikes as a number two pitch, and that's just not going to do it. You shouldn't be going after Tommy Henry unless you're desperate on a Sunday. Louis Varland, not very good against the Rays, but I did like the skills. 48% CSW despite those seven earned runs in six innings. I really, really like Varland once he gets past the Jays in his next start. And then we got to talk about Mitch Keller. All right, against Oakland, 5.1 innings, five earned runs, eight hits, four walks, 1K. What? Understand that entering this game, I couldn't believe it. I had to do a double take. His last seven games, Mitch Keller has earned at least eight strikeouts. At least in his last seven games. And yet his fastballs as sinker and four-seamer plus his slider across 79 thrown earned zero whiffs. 31 swings, not a single whiff. That's insane. So I kind of want to think like this was just an off night. You know, like this is such a massive turn the other way, right, for Mitch Keller. I can't, I can't believe that all of a sudden it's just over, right? I mean, this is against Oakland too. To see those kind of numbers is just what? So I can't really tell you that it's done. I know the last two games had 10 earned runs across them, but he was still doing really well. And that was just kind of unfortunate moments. He had eight strikeouts in each of those games, right? Like that was still like, oh, okay, this is unlucky, but this is weird and I I have to believe that Mitch Keller is going to bounce back from this one. But hey, we're going to monitor it. I have to lower him on the list next week. I'm not going to say get rid of him, but I have to put him like into the 40s or something like that because this is strange and they have the regression and like I don't know exactly where he settles, but it's stupid. Things are stupid. Okay, looking forward to today and tomorrow's games. In the auto start tier, we have Zach Wheeler, Corbin Burns, Max Scherzer, and George Kirby. I think that's pretty straightforward. In the probable start here, you could put John Gray into that one, considering how good the uh, John Gray's John Gray has been, and the Cardinals have been so bad. It's up to you. I mean, I'm probably just going to start him. Mean, who cares? Edward Cabrera uh, and Tanner Bybee are also in the probable start here. Here, Pablo Lopez has not had a good stretch lately and gets the raise, but I don't really care. Pablo Lopez is just too good, um, and I think he's going to be much better today. Charlie Morton against the Mets. Uh, Logan Webb in cores is tough, but Logan Webb gets a lot of ground balls and the change has been so good. I think that you go with it. Charlie Morton, he's kind of a cherry bomb, but I think you just got to do it. Chris Bassett is going to scare some of you against the Astros, but it's Chris Bassett. You just start the dang man. Uh, Michael Waka uh, against the Mariners has been on such a good stretch and you just can't deny it right now um, against the Mariners. Questionable start tier. I don't know what I'm doing with Lance Lynn. I have him in a, in a couple leagues, and I'm like, do I do this? Do I not? I feel like after last week's game against the Angels, it's a, it's kind of scary. The Angels are better than the Yankees right now, especially with Judge on the IL. It's also really bad air quality in New York City right now because of the Canada wildfires. And I do wonder how that's going to impact everyone here. You know, I can't really say that the pitchers are worse and the hitters are fine, right? It, it's essentially is a flat... Uh, application. The one thing I will say is that it's a pitcher is one guy while a, a offense is a lot. So let's say like everyone is a certain level. If the pitcher is unaffected, I would imagine then it's a benefit for him because likely one hitter is going to be affected and be worse. Does that make sense? But I just don't know if the pitcher is going to be affected or not. Lancelin, good luck. Um, flip the coin if you want. 
I, I hope it's okay. Dean Kramer is our stream pick of the day against the Brewers. Uh, I think the Brewers aren't very good. They're one of the worst offenses out there. And Dean Kramer can go six innings to get you a win. Hogan Harris is someone to consider against the Pirates who aren't very good. They're kind of middling right now, but probably on the worst side overall. And Hogan Harris could have an opener, uh, but he's a crafty lefty that could make this work. Ruanzi Contreras is on the other side of it. I don't like Ruanzi Contreras, but I don't like the Oakland Athletics offense either. So there you go. Maybe that works for Ruanzi. Jack Flaherty has to deal with Texas, which is really unfortunate, so I kind of don't want to risk that. And Zach Davies maybe has this changeup against the Nationals. In the do-not-start tier, Reese Olsen could make it work against the Phillies. I liked what I saw for the most part in his last start, but I don't really know how believable it is. I want to see more, and the Phillies are a feast or famine, so it's a very dangerous, dangerous matchup for multiple reasons. We don't really know what the floor is for Reese Olsen. It's probably very low here. And the Phillies can mess him up. Randy Vasquez is going not Johnny Brito against the White Sox. Same idea about uh, about the air quality stuff. I don't know. And I don't really like what I saw from Randy Vasquez. Like, of a ceiling standpoint, it could work against the White Sox. It's just not something I want to chase. Someone's streaming him against me. So, of course, he's going to do amazingly well today. Uh, Jameson Tyon and Jaime Bria are kind of close here. Tyon... I think found a good step forward last time, but the Angels are good. While Jaime Berea on the other side uh, has a decent changeup and slider, and maybe that does work and is good enough against the Cubs. I don't really want to do either one. Jordan Lyles gets Miami. Miami's been kind of hot, and Lyles is not dependable. Noah Syndergaard, absolutely not. In Cincy, Cutter Crawford, no thank you. Connor Siebold in Coors, no. Brandon Williamson gets the Dodgers. Renell Blanco against the Jays. Patrick Corbin <laughs> against the Diamondbacks. And Cooper Criswell might be going against the Twins. I don't want to do any of that. Spencer Strider, looking at tomorrow, leads, of course, against the Mets, doesn't matter. Clayne Kershaw, Tyler Glasnow, obvious. Framber Valdez, Justin Verlander, and Merrill Kelly is kind of hard to rank because Valdez gets the Jays, Verlander gets the gets Atlanta. You're still going to do those, right? You're going to do those starts. It's not fun because of the matchups, but you're going to do them. Then there's Merrill Kelly getting the Nationals. The Nationals are not the bottom of the barrel. They've actually been kind of okay. And Merrill Kelly doesn't have that explosive ceiling, at least more of a realistic one as the others, while the floor, I think we all can acknowledge, is a little bit lower. So that's why he's underneath, but I think you're just going to start all of them. Probable start tier is small. It's just one guy. So we Severino against the White Sox. Why is he probable? Because it was such a weird and terrible start last time where the velocities was down, were down, and it was just way off. I thought it was an injury. He said he was fine. He just had quote-unquote an off day, but I don't kind of believe it. But if you have him and he's on the IL and he's pitching, you gotta do it, but I feel weird about it. So he's probable start against the White Sox. Questionable start tier, Detmers against the Cubs. The Cubs haven't been so good lately. And Detmers, I'm just waiting for him to have that explosive one sort of dominance to say, hey, look, I'm doing all the things right. But I recognize how risky it is. Cal Bradish is our stream pick of the day, just like Dean Kramer's, the same idea against the Brewers. Aaron Savali, Jose Barrios, Bailey Ober, Mike Clevenger, are all kind of clumped together. As they're all, like, I prefer Barrios and Ober from a skill standpoint, but they get the Astros and the Rays. While Savali against the Red Sox and, and Clevenger against the Yankees, like, they could go six innings. I have Savali higher because I think he's better equipped to go six, while Clevenger's more of, like, a volatile arm. But they're all kind of grouped together. Then you have underneath that is Smiley and Alex Cobb. So Drew Smiley gets the Angels, who are really good, and Cobb gets, of course, cores, which is so dangerous, so... I don't really know what you're going to get there. If you want to take a chance, go ahead. And the do not start here is Colin Ray against Baltimore. Josiah Gray against the Diamondbacks. Chase Sanderson, who somehow makes it work at times, but of course is undefeated. 
And Chris Murphy and Graham Ashcraft definitely don't do Ashcraft against the Dodgers. And Chris Murphy might be making his MLB debut for the Red Sox against the Guardians. Chris Murphy, we looked him up. We, we did some analysis on him very quickly. He throws like a 92 mile per hour fastball from the left side. Massive control issues. I really couldn't find like good starts in the minors. Lots of walks, none of strikeouts. Like you don't want to start this MLB debut whatsoever against the Guardians. But right, that is it for today. Thank you all so much for your support. It's a long boy. I really gave it to you today, so you're welcome. <laughs> Make sure you check out that James Paxson breakdown. Also, there are so many. You can go back. Those are evergreen YouTube videos. I think they are the best expression of myself talking about pitchers and really make you understand my thought process when I watch these guys. I broke down all of Andrew Abbott. I talked about Brian Bayo. I've done Bobby Miller and so many others. You can just go back into the YouTube channel and go check those out. Um, they're lots of fun. Um, but that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock, and may your balance be low and your strikeouts high. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.